and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, All right, welcome Washington. back to the Dog Pod. Yeah. You're joined here. Law Dog and BT, week two. Where do we go from here? Recapping uh, what is one of the more shocking, probably the most embarrassing, and one of the more painful uh, losses in Husky history as UW goes down to FCS Montana 13-7. to uh, We're going to get into that and talk about it. Hopefully it's going to be therapeutic for both of us a little bit. And then uh, we got to turn our heads as we hope the Husky football team is as well to Michigan. We got a great guest coming in from Michigan, Rich Boys, um, friend of the podcast is going to talk to us a little about the Wolverines. But first, are you ready for it, Law Dog? Should we get into this? Only if we have to, BT. We do have to. We we have to for the Faithful 40 fans. Now, look, um, I'm not going to go play-by-play, but just to say that um, things started off pretty well. Um, Pretty packed Husky Stadium. Uh, The helmet car was back. New fireworks. Jake Browning's pounding a beer in attendance. I mean, things started off pretty well. And even in that first drive, I mean, they did exactly what we we thought they were going to do. Uh, UW takes the ball, opening drive, nine plays, seventy eight yard drive, march, thirty four rushing yards by Richard Newton, and a one yard quarterback sneak uh, to Dylan Morris. And we think this is what we're going to get, right? This is what we're going to get. I would have bet. Uh, I would have at my cocktailed state at that point, BT. I would have bet the farm we would have scored again. Oh, yeah, you think at least once. At least one score would have been nice. But, no, I mean, the offense uh, took a halt like I've never seen before. Um, Morris goes 27 for 46 and three interceptions. Uh, the last one basically ends uh, ends the game. Um, we couldn't run the ball. We couldn't pass the ball. Receivers couldn't catch the ball. Morris was missing guys left and right. The offensive line couldn't open up gaps. The running backs, the offensive line couldn't protect Morris. Uh, running backs couldn't protect Morris and pass pro and this was we didn't cross Montana's 25 yard line again yeah this was Um, a unexcusable uh head scratching humiliation really was really was and um look you know we as fans I think we're frustrated um if you think you're frustrated, the coaching staff is frustrated. The players are incredibly frustrated. Uh, that's how things went down. Um, I have just a couple of points I want to say. One, um, this was not a wacky stolen performance from Montana. Montana didn't run trick plays left and right. Um, we didn't have interceptions that bounced off a receiver's hand and hit a referee and were caught midair. Um, we had, sure, there were some injuries in the wide receiver core, uh, Terrell Bynum out, Roma Dunze out, Jalen Polk out for the season after the first series, but Montana beat Washington. They beat Washington. And on the last in, in the end of the game, as we tried to get the ball back, no trick plays, no statue of Liberty. Isaiah Childs takes third and 12 and runs it right up our gut. Not even the starting running back. And yeah, that you do about it. That one was a killer. That one was a killer. So again, hats off to Montana, quarter local quarterback from Mississippi. You will never take this away from him. He came in and beat the Giants that he grew up cheering for. Um, I want to say hats off to them, and they they beat us. Now, title of the podcast: 
Where do we go from here? Before we get into Michigan, let's talk about this. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I don't even know where to begin or, 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 or what to say. I mean, it's just, it was an utter, it was an abomination of Husky football. It was just an humiliating, embarrassing um, experience. And, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I hope Jimmy Lake feels that way. I can, I, I kind of am having some doubts that he understands the gravity of what just happened. But I mean, there's a hundred and hundred years of Husky f- football in Husky stadium. And this was just the worst loss of all of them. Um, and- I, Law Dog, I would say I'm going to interrupt you. I would say it's the most embarrassing loss. I don't think it's the most painful. Well, it wasn't the most, most consequential. Worse. It was not the most consequential. And I mean, I'll, I guess I'll start with something a little bit positive, which is, hey, this team can still achieve quite a few of its goals. I mean, we're, we're not going to be in any college playoff discussion, and we don't deserve to be. Um, so if people were thinking that was the case, you know, you can throw that out the window. But, I mean, we could still win the conference. We could still win the North. There's a lot of goals this team can still achieve. But, I mean, yeah, I believe that this was the worst, most humiliating loss in Husky Stadium history. It might not be the most consequential, but it was terrible. And um, anything that that doesn't, um, you know, look at it through that lens is just not accurate, in my opinion. So, um, you know, I, I, I think at this point, you know, a lot of people are calling for some heads. There's a lot of consternation on Twitter. I mean, as you would expect, I mean, you would just expect the fans to kind of start revolting at this point. And, you know, I just can't help but draw a lot of parallels. It just feels a lot to me like that 2003-2004 era of Husky football. I mean, you had won the Rose Bowl, finished in the top five in 2000. You'd kind of slip back a little bit in 2001, but that 2001 team was still a good team to finish in the top 20. And then in 2002, you go seven and six. And then 2003, the wheels just really started to come off. And then by the next year you were Owen or one and 10. And I mean, I'm not saying the Huskies are going to go one and 10 this year or even next year. There's too much talent on this team, but I mean, you can't help but notice the parallels that are going on. And I mean, I'm going to start with recruiting. I mean, we've had 21 months of Jimmy Lake being the anointed head coach of this program. And I mean, the the entirety of the recruiting cycles that have existed during that time have been disappointing. And the coaching hires, I mean, you're losing good quality coaches like Pete Kwiatkowski. You're, um, you know, you've hired no names in John Donovan and Bob Gregory, people who weren't, you know, competing for these guys, um, their services, and and you hired them and paid them like top five in the conference coordinators. And so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of smoke here. And uh, I'm not going to necessarily say there's fire at this point, but I mean, we now have five games of data in addition to, to what I just went through. And, and you know, and, and Jimmy Lake's been an assistant coach of, in this program for a long time. And and we have to take that into consideration too. But in those five games that we played with Jimmy Lake as the head coach, I mean, you basically had one great second half against Utah and you had one great first half against Arizona. And tell me where else this football team has played well. I, I can't tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. Um, you know, so where do you fall into this camp then? Because so I think what you're hearing from Husky Nation is fire Donovan. 
Fire Lake, Fire Gen Cohen, right? That's the knee-jerk reaction. How do you think about that? Well, that's a lot. That's a lot with five games of data. Again, we have more data than that. But, I mean, Jimmy Lake was an elite assistant coach in this program. He was a very good, if not elite, defensive coordinator in this program. Um, you know, but Jim Lambright fit that criteria as well. And he did not turn out to be an elite head coach. And I think at the moment when you know that this guy is not the guy, then you need to make a move. I, I don't, it's just really tough to say that we have that at this point. I mean, this week's going to give us a lot more data. You know, this is, I, I think going into the season, you say, Hey, maybe we're a pick em with Michigan. Like we're, we should, mm -hmm. we should be favored. Um, but, but since they're at home, maybe that's a pick em game. I mean, now we're a touchdown underdog and I want to see how we play. If we go out and get killed by Michigan, I mean, that's another data point. It's not like changing coaches in the middle of the season is going to help your season. I mean, yeah, you might get a couple of, of wins out of it from emotional highs, but I mean, it's just going to derail the entire season. And then you're on a coaching search. You can't recruit. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, issues with that. So I don't think making a change right now does anything for you. And in terms of Jen Cohen, I mean, you know, that's a, I think that's a bigger, larger discussion that involves other sports. It involves, you know, the revenues. It involves a lot of things that, that I don't think get, get into the yep. scope of this podcast. But, um, but I mean, yeah, I, I think after a loss like this, you have to be looking and saying, what are we doing wrong? Because we're doing something like crazy wrong. Yeah, I, look, I think you're right. If I'll say two things of one, one other question before I put my comments on there. A lot of the banter between fans is either fire everyone or, hey, I support my team. I support the Huskies. Win or lose, Lake's, Lake's my guy. He's my coach. I support him 100%. And one thing I'll say to that is this, is, is that I think – your devotion to the university and to Husky football is bigger than whoever is currently coaching that team and bigger than some of the players. Um, I wanted Ty Willingham fired. I wanted Jeremy Stevens kicked off the team. Um, I think it's the same thing to you know, you're akin to being proud of being an American. doesn't mean you can't have four years or eight years of rapid want for regime change. That doesn't make you un-American. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This doesn't make you my, – my allegiance to this university and this football team is bigger than whoever's currently coaching. Having said that, I think – you're right. I, you, that should also lead you to believe that you should do the right thing for the program, which is not fire a head coach in his first real year after the first game. Mid-year firings are egregious and typically have a disastrous effect. I do think there's a number, though, and this is what I think where the Montana loss is an outsized number. There's always a number. If we lost 12 games this year, Jimmy Lake gets fired. Mm -hmm. If we lost 10 games this year, maybe he gets fired. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a Montana number and I think it's equivalent to like four or five losses. I really believe that. I think what you could, you could finish the season this year, five and seven, and maybe you would have survived and you maybe don't survive now because of this loss. I, I, I mean, we were talking just what a week ago that this is a loaded roster that Chris Peterson built. He inherited the train running at full speed or close to it. I mean, if if he causes a disaster in the program, a disastrous downturn, he doesn't get the privilege of getting to do the rebuild to build it back up again. I mean, in my mind, if we have a losing season this year, 
I, I do hate to say it, but I mean, he should be fired. We're not talking about Steve Sarkeesian in 2009. We're not talking about Tyrone Willingham in 2005. You know, we're not even talking about Keith Gilbertson in 2003. It's just you're inheriting a much stronger roster. You have had a long time to install your offenses, your coaches, your recruiting, and you just haven't done very well. Um so, I mean, to me, I, yeah, I, I think this season, I think his leash just got a lot shorter, as you're saying. I mean, I, I think that's exactly what you're saying. And there's no doubt it, it shortened by a lot, and it should. Donovan's uh, leash got incredibly short. I mean, one, because obviously you can point the blame easily on the offense for this loss. And two, it's easier for, for a coach to fire an offensive coordinator end of season when things aren't going well. If he survives, John, it's easy for him to get rid of John Donovan. Um, you, and it, look, at this isn't just Law Dog and BT saying it was a stacked roster. Coach Lake himself a lot of overtures over the last month of best offensive line in the Pac-12. Best offensive line in the Pac-12. We have the. What does it take for you to have the players to win a national championship? We have. You're there right line. now. We're there right now. Right. So all this isn't just us talking. You know, having spent a little bit of time with Coach Lake, and I think anyone who has would agree, it's hard to meet him and not walk away thinking that's our guy. Wow. Like what a presence. So great to be around. He must go into the homes of recruits and just win them over. Um, what concerns me a little bit about this is this culture piece. And I don't know if you heard the Ryan Bowman interview, but when he's talking about players on the sidelines walking around in a zombie-like state the entire game and that they go in the halftime and can't write that ship, that's that culture piece that will ultimately overtake whatever talent that you have. Um, and, and that's really concerning. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's the real parallel that we had to 2003 and four, like I was kind of getting at there, 2002, 2003, 2004. I mean, you had Rick Neuheisel and the program was doing pretty well. It was, it was on a little bit of a slide, but I mean, you know, you had the recruiting wasn't the problem in 2002, you know, mm -hmm. in 2001 too. Um, we were recruiting great players, but then, you know, you had the big culture change, like you're talking about. The coach was fired very controversially. He sued the university. They settled. I mean, and then Keith Gilbertson just kind of got thrown into the job. And I mean, you know, that was a guy who didn't, you know, necessarily ask for the job or wasn't hired to do that job. Mm -hmm. And then he was thrown in there. And, you know, it, there are some parallels here with Jimmy Lake. I mean, Chris Peterson's one of your all-time great coaches at this university, and he steps aside Rather than holding out a national search and saying we're going to field the best coaching applicants that we can find out there, we just said that that day, Jimmy Lake is the guy. So, I mean, you know, back to your Jen Cohen point, like you are going to sink or swim on that decision now. And I mean, it's not looking, it's looking like you're taking on some water. It's concerning, and you can say the same thing about the John Donovan coach, where yep. when he got hired, what did I say? The only argument you can make is blind faith. Yep. I believe in Jimmy Lake, and I've met him, and I believe in him, because there is nothing in historic evidence from what he did at Penn State who is pointing their fingers and laughing at us right now, because they're like, look, we saw this thing. We saw the ship go down. I can't believe you hired this guy, and we're the ones holding that. It has to be blind faith at this point that they can pull it together. This I mean, the tough. next year, Joe Moorhead, who's now the offensive coordinator at your bitter rival, right? You were both, you and us in Oregon were both looking for offensive coordinators at the same time. Joe Moorhead, the guy who replaced John Donovan, took that team 
to a New Year's Six Bowl the very next season after Donovan was fired. And now he's the offensive coordinator at your bitter rival. I mean, to me, it's just like we knew it at the time. You know, we were trying to maintain a good face on it. But at the same time, like, yeah, the the data is all there. John John Donovan, it's not going to work. It's not working. I mean, I, I don't know what more you could say. Yeah, it, it it is. It's tough. It's very tough to paint a picture outside of again just blind faith that this coach knows something I don't. Um, a and couple we've got things. Five star quarterback with who bleeds purple, who's from one of the long, proud lineage of Husky quarterbacks families, the Hewards, and he's going to be you know in this program and. We got to give him offensive coaches that is gonna are gonna help him succeed. I mean, I don't see any way John Donovan survives this season unless we really pull a rabbit out and win ten games. In my mind, yeah, it, it would take something monumental. And I think again, there's that math because of this loss that this this loss equals five, six, maybe more. It, it's tough. You talked about history. Um, let's get into this a little bit. So you talked about, and I think that's great on Husky history. This has happened before. Right. This, this has happened before across the country. And of course, the, the conical example is who we're seeing on Saturday, Michigan, 2007, ranked number five. Uh, they lose to Appalachian State um, in the big house, 34-32, and still considered maybe the biggest upset ever in the sport. Um, Oregon comes in next week, beats them, and they win eight straight and beat number five, number nine, Florida in the Capital One Bowl. They pulled it together. Now, what a couple things that are different from us. That's a Hall of Fame head coach that had won them a national championship previously, and they mm-hmm. carried that coach off the field. This is not a you know first-year head coach. Uh, Virginia Tech, remember, number 10, the Hokies, 2010, 33-30, right? Lose to Boy- uh, Boise State um, under Chris Peterson, and then they lose to James Madison. Um, and they win 11 straight. They win the ACC um, and lose and lose uh, to Stanford, number five in the Orange Bowl. And the Beavers, pretty uh, more recently in 2013, come in ranked number 25, and they lose to Eastern Washington, and then finally make a bowl and beat Boise State in a bowl game. Um, one more, and this one I don't think is the same. Uh, number four, actually, this is maybe maybe very similar, but number 13 Iowa Hawkeyes, they beat. Iowa State, 42-3, and then fall to North Dakota State. North Dakota State will come up and beat you. And I do think Montana's probably a special team. And, and look, the wide receiver stuff can't be looked over. But you have to look at something like this and think, is that history that can repeat itself here? Or does this go back, way back in Washington history just for fun? 1973, we lost to then Division II Hawaii. 10-7, okay? Um, and after that, they beat Syracuse and then go two and nine. Uh, yeah, the coach was fired. Then. The coach was fired and then brought in Don James. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah, totally. So you got to think of like what you know. Which of these? It, it's hard to look at well, what I'll, Michigan I'll, did and what Virginia did and think that we're in that scenario. I'll give you another example. You know, I've been talking about the 2002-2003 era. 2003, Keith Gilbertson was the head coach. They went to Ohio State. They lost. Not. I mean, they didn't. They didn't get humiliated at the horseshoe. But week six, Nevada came yeah, that's right. the whack and beat us in Husky Stadium. And that's probably the other loss that's probably the most humiliating loss in Husky Stadium history. Also coached by a former UW assistant, just like this Montana team was. And Chris Tormey was coaching that Nevada team. And, I mean, the wheels, I think that was the sign that the wheels were completely off the wagon. And a change, you know, probably should have been made after that season 
you know, because Keith Gilbertson had been hired on a temporary basis anyway. Um, and so I, I just, that's the mistake that I don't want Jen Cohen to make, which is hanging on too long because you've got too much pride, um, you know, in the hire you've made. And that's, that goes the same for Jimmy Lake and John Donovan. Historically, we have been slow to fire. Yeah. No doubt. And I think it's going to be tough moving forward. The only thing I'll say about this look is uh, one, one final note I want to make is, as I've said, you can love Husky football and you can call for change. Uh, but think about what's the th- best thing for the program. Um, the other narrative of you don't know what it's like and so you can't have opinion. Bullcrap. You don't have to have been a uh, you know a, a top three round NFL pick to have an opinion about Husky football. Just like in you and your own company, it can have opinions about how your CEO performs and your manager performs because you see things. I think that's fine. The one thing I will say is I think think about when you have a devastating loss like this, whether you know this is the you know whatever it was nine to six, six to three in the 2000 season against Oregon, the only loss that we had. Um, Apple Cups getting kicked out of the Rose Bowl. I mean, think back to all the tough, tough losses that we've seen. Keep this in perspective, fans, and think about why are you a fan of of Husky football? What are you trying to get out of it? And if you find yourself carrying this five days later, you're on the porch yelling at your golden retriever. um, (laughs) What? Look yourself in the mirror and think, what am I trying to get out of this? And if it's a sense of community with other close fans that you have some entertainment on the weekend where you want to spend your free time and your dollars and a tradition that you pass off to your kids, you know, and you're still screaming at your retriever Wednesday after the game, something's wrong. Take a hard look in the mirror and figure out what you're trying to get out of this. Yeah. I mean, look in the end, it is just one game. I mean, I think we've done enough beating them up right now. I mean, we've mm-hmm. beat up the, the, the coaches pretty well. On this show, but this is really just one game. And that Michigan team that lost to Appalachian State, they ended up going nine and four, beating Florida in a bowl game. I mean, that's right. Maybe that, incredible. That might be our best case scenario at this point. Um, and it, you know, and it might not happen. It might not come close to happening. I mean, I, I you know, but it's just one game, and we got it. We really gotta put it behind us. And I, I mean, I hope the coaches. Um, you know, just went through that litany of games that you just did about teams that recovered and salvaged the season and, and, and went on to do good things despite a terrible loss at the start of the year, because teams go through this. It's not, it's not totally shocking and and that uncommon. Um, It's happened to Michigan. It's happened to Florida. It's happened to Virginia tech. It's happened to a lot of good programs. Mm -hmm. So you just need to pick up yourself off the mat and like get back at it. And we've got a chance to erase it on Saturday. Let's talk about it. So this Saturday coming up, this game we've had penciled for years. Uh, I'll be flying out early tomorrow morning out to Ann Arbor. A um, couple things. There's a big Husky gathering Friday night, uh, 7 o'clock at uh, Bill's Beer Garden. I think there's going to be a lot of Huskies there. Saturday morning, um, Regents Field, owned by a Husky, um, right there off of Main Street, is going to open up for us at 10 in the morning, uh, bright and early, if you want to come in there. And uh, and they, the kitchen won't be open until noon, but you can bring in breakfast, and they will be serving drinks early. Uh, a couple of things for it. Of course, there's the Husky tailgate that starts, I believe, at uh, uh, at 5 to 7 p.m., kickoff at 8 local time. 
we were favored in this game. Now we are about a touchdown underdog. And um, I had a chance to watch a solid three quarters of Michigan, um, you know, of the Michigan game. And I thought it was pretty interesting to see what they what they were able to do. And I think they did what probably we thought we were going to do with Western Michigan. Run, run, run the ball. Um, Cade McNamara is a quarterback. I think he and the whole Michigan offense struggled mightily last year. And this year, the first thing that we saw, again, Western Michigan, but they did what you're supposed to do. Run the ball up the gut. Um, when they need to pass, you know, 9 of 11 with a pair of touchdowns, uh, looked really strong. I think the big injury blow to Ronnie Bell, their wide receiver, is probably their most talented offensive weapon. He is out. Uh, and I think that's a huge, huge, huge punch in the gut for, uh, for Michigan. They looked really, really solid. They're deep at running back. Uh, they're very stout. Their linebackers, I think, are one of their strongest position groups. This team, it's going to be tough. Let's real quick and get on the horn. Let's talk to one of our local experts. Um, he's going to be hosting us at the MGO tailgate. Let's hear from Rich. All right, so we're back here on the dog pod, and we have a local Wolverine Diehard fan, Rich from the MGO Tailgate. Thanks so much for jumping on the dog pod. Great to be here. So, Rich, before we get started into this game, um, you've been a fan for a long time. Tell me, what is your greatest memory as a Michigan fan? Oh, for me, personally, it's got to be the 2005 uh, Women's College World Series Championship and being able to be there to see that happen. Um, but, you know, as the sports go... Overall, we've had a lot of great opportunities. We've had some great hockey teams over the years and some good friends there and, you know, some great, great memories with the basketball team. So it's it's always a pleasure to see our teams do well, and we always do everything we can to support them uh, no matter what happens each year. That's great. Well, look, we've got the renewal of what was kind of a, a fun historic rivalry during the heyday of both programs in the 90s when we won national championships and had some amazing Rolls Bowls together. Uh, and it's great to get this back on the calendar with the return of college football. Uh, obviously, um, you know, this matchup, I think, takes a little bit of a hit given what Washington didn't put up last week against Montana. Uh, but would love to hear from your side of what you saw against Western Michigan. What do you like about this team? It's a fun team to watch. It's uh, it's it's not what it's been in the last you know, a couple of years of, of not knowing what's going to happen. It, instead, it was the not knowing what's going to happen and seeing real success out of it. And I think every year it, it's a new experience and try and see what happens with the team. You know, obviously we're all devastated with the injury that happened uh, during the game. And, um, you know, we wish the, bell, the best to him as, uh, as he recovers. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the team will be able to rebound and uh, be ready to go next week. I, I have to ask you, so how did it feel in terms of being back uh, on campus with the, what looked like to be a pretty full uh, stadium in the big house? And did it seem like moods were high? Uh, what Was it different than the last couple of years? Well, obviously, last year, no one being in the stands, it's uh, it's a complete change. The excitement was certainly there that I haven't seen in several years. Uh, I think losing an entire season of the opportunity to be in the big house will do that to a lot of fans. And and there was a lot of, you know, open camaraderie in the fans, even even the Western Michigan fans. Everybody was just being really fun to be around and, and pleasant and cheering each other on. Um, I'm sure they enjoyed watching them, their team march down the field and get that first touchdown. And uh, and it was just a real fun game to be a part of. And it was pretty loud in there. It was the loudest I've heard in years. Um, so I think there's a lot of excitement. Um 
I think the team showed what they could do on the field, at least for game one. And, you know, we all know game one is a little bit of a struggle for every team. And we don't expect uh, we don't expect what we we saw out of Washington last week to be what shows up this week. We really expect um, that we better be be prepared for a, a really strong and dynamic Washington team or, you know, we could be on the wrong end of the the end line there. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw from a Washington team, one who uh, was looking ahead and underestimating their opponent. And you, you, I'm sure Michigan is talking to their players about the same thing. Uh, you know, don't estimate, underestimate what you saw from the last couple of weeks. But there is definitely, I think, one team who needs to do a lot more retooling uh, and pull it together for for us. What's been the I think the first road game uh, in 600 days or more. So this will be the first time to get the team together uh, night game. Uh, you know, nice 8 p.m. game, 5 p.m. for the folks here on the West Coast. But we're really excited for it and looking forward to tailgating with you guys. Okay, so there we heard from Rich. Law Dog, give me your thoughts. We got Michigan coming up. Turn the page. Talk to me about this game. Yeah, well, I mean, we need to turn the page, right? Um, you know, I, I think this, this Michigan team – they're kind of a tough read in maybe the opposite way that the Huskies were a tough read, right? Three and one last season, won a couple of good games, but not a ton of data here last year, Michigan, you know, finished two and four lost to Indiana, lost beat Rutgers in three overtimes, um, lost to Michigan state and lost to Penn state. I mean, you know, they would, they didn't do anything that really said, Hey, they're going to be back in a big way. Uh, next year, but they've returned a lot of starters and they have a lot of guys back and, you know, they're, they've opened up the offense quite a bit in the last couple of years. They've had this offensive identity problem, right? They were kind of the Lloyd Carr ground and pound three yards in a cloud of dust type of team. Um, and then they brought in Rich Rod and they went to the spread and Harbaugh kind of brought them back. Now they're going maybe to more of a little bit of a spread type of offense. So, um, you know, I, I think that they're they're in year three with this new coordinator, and I think we can expect them to, you know, to be a capable team. Now, the Huskies' defense, you know, we didn't really get a lot into it in the Montana game. wasn't really the issue. I mean, yes, they kind of had a bad um, bad execution on a few plays, and, a, and especially in a critical time there in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't a terrible defensive performance that lost you that game. So this defense should be there, should be able to hang with Michigan and give your offense a chance. The question is, what are we going to do with those opportunities? Because offensively, the Huskies just, you know, looked, I mean, they've just frankly looked freaking terrible the last couple times we've seen them on the field. So, um, you know, Michigan, uh, I think this is a team that gave up 515 yards per game to Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Alabama last year. I mean, you know, or sorry, in, in the last three times they played. So, I mean, this is a, a leaky Michigan defense. And I think, uh, you know, the Huskies, this is going to be your opportunity to kind of get back on the scoreboard a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they need to do. And you, you mentioned that uh, pass protection is just number one is critical. Um, we're going to have to open up the field. Um, I think not only the offensive line needs to be better, Morris was running for his life. Um, whatever running backs they have back there, if it's still Taj Davis and, and Richard Newton, I think they were really um, pretty piss poor in pass protection. They need to do better. Will we see Sean McGrew? 
He was sitting on the sidelines, didn't play. And I think there was a lot of criticism of that. And I've always thought Richard Newton was the better player. Uh, but you needed to change things up. And I don't know if we're going to see him again. I think what's going to happen with the wide receivers? Um, Giles Jackson, um, he's not going to surprise anyone coming back into the big house. They know what his bag of tricks are. And that's a concern for me. It, you know, Will we see Terrell Bynum? Will we maybe see Jalen McMillan is the only question. Will, we, will they come back? Um, Kate Otten, I thought played well. I'd like to see more of him. I don't know if we're using the other tight ends the right way. That concerns me a little bit. Um, you know, running these out routes, I, I, I'm well, a little concerned about that. We didn't actually get in the nuts and bolts too much. Right. But I mean, the, the simple fact is Morris was not throwing the ball down the field. I mean, it was, it was reminiscent of last year, right? Last year, he could not complete passes down the field. Now, all fall camp, we're hearing Dylan Morris. That Dylan Morris is, yeah, yeah. He's sending the ball down the field. He's connecting with McMillan and Dunze and all these plays. Okay, well, those guys were not in the game. And so, <laughs> for whatever reason, then, we could not throw the ball beyond 10 yards. Otten, um, um, who am I thinking of? Taj, um, you know, those guys didn't get the ball down the field very much. And so this is a question. Was Jimmy Lake holding back on the playbook? Was he holding back on his injuries and his injured players because he wanted to save them for Michigan? He didn't want to get him banged up against lowly Montana. Okay. I mean, if he did that, you know, we paid a, was price. a poor gamble. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We paid a big price for that. But I mean, I, I have to assume we're going to see a little bit more sizzle on the playbook and we're going to see a little, a few more players than we saw last week. I, that's an assumption. I don't know that. Uh, Jimmy Lake's not going to tell anyone about it. Uh, you know, if somebody's going to play or not. But, um, but yeah, I think that is something that we we are likely to see. Yeah, I think I think you're going to have to, uh, and it is going to be a significantly more physical team. Um, can they step up against the run? Yeah, I was yeah. the wrong step gave it earlier they gave up 400 and the defense michigan gave up 434 yards per game last season so i read that wrong against uh, alabama and ohio state but um but 434 yards per game last season and then they changed coordinators i mean you know it, it, the opportunity is there in this game you know it, it's just a question of whether or not we can get our act together yeah. Yeah. And look, there, like, as you said, I think the one thing we don't have to worry about and we have in years past is there is talent. I think there's talent to get this win. Uh, do they have the right culture? Do they have the right mindset? Do they have the right game plan? And can they execute? But let me ask you this, BT. If the Huskies do not win this game, what games on the schedule, <laughs> you know, can you look at and say, we're going to win those games this season? You know, I think if we, if we win in the big house this weekend, it's a sign that, hey, Montana was the aberration. We're, we're really there. It's fine. If we lose, we lose by a couple touchdowns. I'm going to be looking at the schedule going, okay, tell me what games are going to win. Yeah, I got into some nice lengthy Twitter discussion with some of our followers that um, I think the team that played um, last week, if that's the effort that the team is going to put forward and the game plan that the coaches can put together and execute, that three wins is the ceiling. I mean, that is a sad state of affairs for the expect based on the expectations we had going into this season. I mean, um, you know, that. I'm not saying the players that we put on the field last week. I'm saying whatever happened last week, game plan, culture, execution, effort, look ahead, call it whatever. 
take that same effort, that same game plan, you probably win Arkansas State, and you're going to win two random Pac-12 games. You know, I hope I, I I hope we beat Arkansas State, BT. I have to be honest. I, I hope that we do. I think we'll be talking. Well, let's see what happens this week. As you said, um, if somehow they go into the big house and pull off a win, um, I will not have a voice next week. Um, it, ho- hopefully, I'll be back intact and will be allowed to board my flight, return flight from Detroit. Um, and all will be forgotten for the most part, right? Uh, but if you know, if if they get their backsides handed to them, and it's similar to like you know uh, when we played in Tiger Stadium against LSU, it's I think it's going to be tough. And I think we're in a different era as well with transfer portal and other things where allegiances are um, a little fleeting. Fleeting, yeah. Well, I mean. You know, again, we didn't really break down the Montana game too much, and and thankfully not. But I, I mean, the offensive line in that game. I mean, I think to me that was the biggest. Like, you know, hey, what is this team good at? And it was supposed to be that offensive line. And I saw Dylan Morris running for his life. That cannot repeat itself, really, in any other game this season. Or you know, the Huskies are are going to be out of the game. So, you know, that's something where you got a, a freshman quarterback. You know, who succeeded last year because you protected him. And if you can't protect him anymore, then, um, you know, I I can't find any reason for optimism. So that's going to be what I'm looking for um, on Saturday in Ann Arbor. It will. I'm excited to be there. Uh, I think there's going to be a pretty strong Husky contingency out in Ann Arbor. Um, looking forward to touring um, the Schenbuckler Football Museum, learning more about the history of the opponent, seeing Ann Arbor, and cheering on the dogs as we get there and enjoying some good tailgate um, with our buddies at the MGO tailgate. But, you know, all in all, dog fans, look, this thing is going to go one of two ways. I really do believe that. I don't think at the end of the year we're going to be going, hey, you know, B minus kind of year. I have a feeling that. Uh, this team is going to take this talent and and really come back and be one of those examples like we saw when we think back to 2007 Michigan, 2010 Virginia Tech, uh, you know, I think 2016 Iowa, teams like that who really came back and bounced back, um, or the tr- the wheels are just going to fall off the train. In 2002, I was there in the Big House BT for the 12 men on the field uh debacle at Husky Stadium and and my I'm I'm good buddies with Ben Madavi who was the captain of the team at that time and he told me and I'll never forget you know that just it took the wind out of our sails I mean here we were a top 10 team going to the big house about to beat him knock him off and uh, um, you know it just everything changed after that and so I hope that conversely your trip to Ann Arbor does the opposite and it galvanizes this team and unites them and improves to them, gives them some confidence that they can go do great things because if they win this game, they will have done two things that Chris Peterson never did in eight years as head coach. And that is lose to a division subdivision one team and beat a big power five program on the road. On the road. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Like I said, look, um, we're going to be cheering for the purple and gold this weekend, no matter what. And still, again, supporting this team. And that's what I think you want to keep in in mind and perspective uh, is supporting this team, no matter who's sitting at the helm um, and and trying to stay as positive as you can. And and look, I'm not going to forget this loss, but I will say everything is forgiven. If we can go in and get this win uh, against against Michigan and we'll be back. Next week here on the Dog Pod, 
talking about it. Can I get a go dogs? Go dogs in the big house, BT. There we go. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Washington State University. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep.